Gonzaga has had at least one player taken in the first round of four of the last five NBA drafts. Will that trend continue in 2024? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash college, and when you enter the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, they will throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. All right, folks, we are one week removed from the 2023 NBA draft. So of course, let's start looking ahead to 2024. The Zags have been very well represented in the NBA draft over the last half decade. And we're going to talk about a couple of players who we think could get drafted in 2024. We're also going to talk about a few players who we think are probably NBA players who may get drafted someday, but might not necessarily happen this upcoming draft. And then we're going to close out the show talking about players on this roster who we believe have a chance to be Summer league contributors, perhaps two-way guys, maybe not necessarily draft guys, but guys that one or two tweaks away from potentially being NBA stars. We're going to talk about basically everybody in Gonzaga's rotation on the current roster and their NBA draft hopes going forward. Starting off, talking about, in my opinion, the two players most likely to be selected in the 2024 NBA draft and leading off, of course, with the player, the one player who we know for an absolute fact is entering his final season at Gonzaga. The only player on the roster where that is a confirmed fact, and that is Anton Watson, of course. Anton Watson coming back for his fifth and final year of eligibility that he got from the COVID-19 season. Watson did declare for the draft last year, went through the process, did not get an invitation to the NBA draft combine, but he did get an invitation to the G League Combine, which many players who got that invite also did get, eventually got invited to the NBA Draft Combine. Some of them eventually got drafted. So Watson was was in a group of players with, with talent around him that is NBA caliber talent. Many guys who were at the G League Combine did what Watson did and ultimately returned to school. And many of those guys are probably going to get drafted next year or at the very least signed uh, and playing in the NBA at some point. I don't think Anton Watson is going to be a first round pick next season. I want to make that clear. I The headline, the teasing was about if the Zags can continue their streak of first round picks right now. We'll talk more about some other options, some dark horse candidates, some, some mystery players. But right now, my general projection is that Gonzaga will not have a first round pick in next year's NBA draft. Does that mean anything negative about the actual team's aspirations next year? Not necessarily. Some of Gonzaga's very best teams haven't had first round picks. Like it's just, it happens sometimes that way. So I don't think that it's necessarily a, a concern. And for Watson, he's probably not going to be a first round pick because of his age. And there's a significant argument to say that that's not the way that NBA teams should be drafting and scouting right now. And in fact, we are starting to see a shift away from that, which I think could be part of a larger conversation perhaps later in the offseason. But Jaime Jaquez is a great example. He got picked 18th by the Miami Heat. Ben Shepard got picked 26th by the Indiana Pacers. Those are older guys that are projected to be contributors right away. And teams chose to pick them as opposed to even Julian Strother is a good example coming in as a, a late first round pick. Teams are more likely to take those guys than some of the more 
riskier, younger, higher upside prospects like Ryan Rupert, who went to the Portland Trailblazers at 43, one of the youngest players in the draft class, a good pick for Portland, assuming they are going to go through their rebuild, which is we're hanging on every word, trying to figure out what they're going to do with Mr. Damian Lillard there. But you're seeing more teams be willing to draft plug and play role players in the first round. And I think that that trend is going to continue. I I won't get into all the details of the new CBA. I'm also not going to pretend to be super familiar with all the details with the new CBA, but teams are are coveting young players who can contribute right away, who are on cheap contracts. If you draft an 18 year old and you have them under contract for three or four years in the NBA on a rookie scale, and they're not ready to contribute until they're 22, you're not getting much. You have to then, sign them to a bigger contract and kind of bank that they're going to continue to grow and develop. It's a, it's a riskier move. If you're a win now team, if you're the Denver Nuggets, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Miami heat, the Boston, whoever, and you're picking in the late first round, if you have any gaps in your rotation, any spot where you think, Hey, we could use a shooter. We could use a rim running big. We could use uh, you know, a facilitator, like whatever it may be. Don't use that spot to draft a 19 year old. Draft the 22-year-old. Maybe they're out of the league by the time they're 27 because their upside was a little bit lower, but you get them for three or four years of productivity. To me, that makes sense. And I think we will start to see more teams do that. For Anton Watson, the things that he needs to improve upon to be an NBA player are pretty obvious. He needs to showcase consistent three-point shooting. He shot 33% last year. As a freshman, Anton Watson shot 11%. The sample sizes for both, quite frankly, are very small. So I don't know that we should necessarily imply that Watson is a three times better shooter than he was as a freshman, but the fact that he is getting better at it, he looks more comfortable. Eye test is simple. Folks who watched him as a freshman who watched him now, it is clear he is a more comfortable three-point shooter, more comfortable with the ball in his hands, more comfortable making plays, turning and facing, trying to score, making post moves, all of that stuff. The low post scoring game is not really something that I think is going to be particularly appealing to NBA scouts regarding Anton Watson, but the three-point shooting would. The defense, absolutely. The length, the athleticism, all of it's there. Anton Watson is built like an NBA player. He plays defense like an NBA player. He has a high basketball IQ. He knows his role offensively like an NBA player. If he can shoot consistently and stay healthy, which is always going to be a factor for him, I could see him being an NBA player. Do I think he would get picked in the first round? Probably not. I think that would be the highest of high-end outcomes for Watson next season, but it wouldn't shock me if he was picked in the second round. And for a team that just said, hey, this guy's somebody who we think can contribute right away, or he instantly gets put on a two-way contract because they thought, hey, we think that you will help us immediately. The next guy that I want to talk about is Ryan Nemhard. Uh, Ryan Nemhard, of course, younger brother of Andrew Nemhard, who did get selected in the NBA draft, although not in the first round. Barely he was the first pick of the second round in 2022. Of course, all-rookie third-teamer. <laughs> Should have been an all-rookie second-teamer uh, for Nemhard, but did not quite make that team. Still incredibly productive in his first season with the Pacers. And, and Ryan is hoping to follow his brother's st- footsteps. Start out somewhere else, transfer after a couple of years, come to Gonzaga, maybe play a few years at Gonzaga, maybe just one year at Gonzaga and then go to the NBA. And I think Ryan has a lot of the same skills as Andrew. Will the pick and roll facilitation, all that stuff, you know, those are translatable skills into the modern NBA. Ryan's a little bit smaller than his brother, and I think that's going to hurt him a little bit. Reports are that he's a bit more consistent of a shooter. Andrew has, of course, emerged to be a much better three-point shooter in the NBA than he necessarily, than, than you would have thought he might project to be at the next level, I guess, let's put it that way. But for Ryan, 
that three-point shooting is already there. The facilitation skills are already there. I mean, he, he led a team to the Elite Eight as their starting point guard last year. He's got a real good chance to do that exact same thing again here at Gonzaga. I'm not sure I see Ryan Nemhard. I don't know that he's going to leave after this year. He's got more years of eligibility. He could be a guy who spends two years at Gonzaga without a doubt. I wouldn't be surprised to see him do that just like Andrew did. But if he were to declare after this year and he were to have a successful year and he were to lead this team into the Elite Eight, I could see him getting some attention. There's some concerns about him defensively that I think he'll need to prove that he can improve upon uh, before he gets a serious look, at least as a first round pick in the NBA. But could he be a guy who is drafted in the 2024 NBA draft? Absolutely. Unquestionably. If not 2024, I, would be not, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him drafted in 2025. And that's kind of what I want to talk about going forward, because Watson and Nembhard are, are far from Gonzaga's only NBA draft prospects. And I want to discuss three more players that I think could be future NBA players, but who I don't think are going to get drafted next year. All of that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, Bird Dogs. I don't know how else to say this, folks, so I'm just going to keep it simple. Bird Dogs, the shorts and pants, they make you look good. The Bird Dog Stretch Khaki Shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, and they give you a truly sculpted look. In fact, Bird Dogs do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit even better. They also fit better than regular shorts made of stiff, restricting cotton. How? Bird Dogs fixed it by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so that you get a slimmer fit without sacrificing movement. It also uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So go to birddogs.com slash college and enter the promo code LockedOnCollege for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That is birddogs.com slash college for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise. Bird Dogs, proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, folks, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch every day for those of you on youtube shout out to the everyday listeners very much appreciate you and next week on the show we got more conversation about the nba draft we got more conversation about the transfer portal as we've seen gonzaga show some interest in a few different players who are available they got three open scholarships so we're going to talk a lot about what they might do with those spots as the calendar flips to july all coming up on locked on zags go hit that subscribe button on youtube if you have not done so yet for now, though, I want to continue our conversation looking at the 2024 NBA draft, which is about 51 weeks away. So we got plenty of time before we get there. But as the calendar flips away from June and as we get away from the 2023 draft, I want to look at which players on Gonzaga's roster are potentially future NBA players and when that might happen for them. We talked about Anton Watson, who obviously is in his final year of eligibility. We talked about Ryan Nembhard being another guy who could play well enough next year to be in that first round or at least NBA draft conversation. Now I want to pivot to talking about three guys who I think there is a reason to believe they could be NBA players, but some hesitation about whether that would happen after this upcoming season. First guy I want to talk about is the elder statesman of the group. And that's Ben Gregg. Ben Gregg, of course, a guy who came to Gonzaga uh, from Clackamas high school, joined a half semester early and, and kind of was buried on the bench for the, his first year and a half, uh, his freshman year and his fake freshman year that he had, but we saw him really emerge last year early in the season. He took a, took a uh, rotation spot away from Efton Reed, stepped into that third big role behind Drew Timmy and Anton Watson and really excelled as a floor spacing big, as a three-point shooter. He knew his role. He knew when to take shots. And, and more, than, more than just the floor spacing, we saw Ben emerge as a, a hustle guy, a hustle big, diving on the floor for loose balls, playing aggressive on defense, not always uh, great on defense. He, he made a fair amount of mistakes, but I always uh, 
respect and anticipate seeing guys who who are willing to make aggressive mistakes. Aggressive mistakes are better than timid mistakes. Now, aggressive mistakes often result in fouls, and that was a bit of an issue for Ben Gregg last year, but a, a guy who is not afraid to mix it up in the paint. And I think, you know, we talk about low post skills not necessarily being as valuable in the modern NBA, and that is still true, but you want a guy who's going to fight for the dang basketball. Ben Gregg is absolutely going to give you that. I think for him, the main reasons that we're not talking about him for 2024 is the role's just not going to be there for him next year. We're looking at a team that returns Anton Watson and they bring in Graham Ike, who we'll talk about momentarily. Uh, and Ike is a guy who, who, unless health continues to be a problem for him, which by all accounts right now, it's not, Ike is going to start and he's going to play big minutes. And I expect Ben to come off the bench again next year. I do think there's an expectation that he will play more next year. Perhaps they will play some three big lineups with either Watson or Greg playing the the three. I think that's something they're probably at least discussing, although Mark Few has been pretty hesitant to play big th- three big lineups in the past. Regardless, I do think Ben will have a bigger role in the, he was a 37% three-point shooter at 6'9 last year. Like that alone is a, a, a one-sentence summary of a player who is going to at least get attention, at least going to get attention. If you can shoot that well from three and you are that big and physical and can play the, the four or the five, you're going to get attention. Greg is going to need to work on some defensive stuff He's going to continue to need to get bigger and stronger while not losing any athleticism so that he can still defend in space and do all that stuff. There's a lot of things that need to go into uh, where Ben Gregg is right now and where Ben Gregg needs to be to be an NBA player. But I'm willing to believe that those things could happen for him. I'm not sure I was there with him last year, but seeing the progress that he made as a player last season, it's like, oh, if he continues to progress, he could absolutely be in that conversation. So I think Ben's a a player to keep an eye on, not necessarily 2024 NBA draft, but 2025 after Watson's gone, depending on if EK comes back, Ben stepping into a bigger role, starting at the four, starting at the five, even stretch, you know, stretching the defense, doing that stuff in a 25, 30 minute role. I could absolutely see that being enough for him to be a guy who gets drafted in 2025, but I'd be surprised if it happens this upcoming season, just because I don't think the role is going to be there for him. Next up, the biggest wild card unquestionably on this roster in terms of being a draft pick in the NBA, Jun Sakyo, unquestionably the biggest wild card. I almost put him in the 2024 category because I think it's possible. And I think quite honestly, it's probably more possible that Jun Sakyo is drafted in 2024 than Ryan Nembhard. But it's also less like, I mean, there's also the, I mean, the range of outcomes is so big that Nemhart is a safer bet to be an NBA player eventually. But Yo, if you, if you told me that Yo is drafted 25 spots ahead of Ryan Nemhart, I would honestly believe you. If you told me that Yo didn't get drafted at all or didn't get drafted until two years after Ryan Nemhart got drafted, I might believe you too. Like it's just a, a huge range of what we're dealing with with Yo right now. But here's the deal. Here's what we know. He's six foot eight. He's a good rebounder. He's got an outside shot. And he dominated in FIBA U19 against very good American players and players from other countries. That's almost the extent of what we know. It's hard to glean a lot of information from the rest of his performances in Korea and in schools in Korea. We haven't seen him here. Obviously, the players have seen him uh, who were on last year's roster and practices and whatnot. But we just don't really know how ready he is to contribute, how translatable his skills are. Like, there's just a lot we don't know. But the baseline information that we have about Yo is enough to to project him to be a potential NBA player. Guys like this make it. 
you don't have to look very far. Rui Hachimura, obviously not from Korea, from Japan. I don't want to, you know, they're not the same, but like an international player coming to the United States, adjusting to the, to the college basketball game and turning themselves into an NBA player is something that has happened and it's something that has happened at Gonzaga. So Yo absolutely could be on that trajectory. It took Rui three years. It took Sabonis two. You know, Killian Tilly spent four years here. Joel Ayayi spent three years here. Like, it doesn't necessarily happen overnight very often. Yo is 21 when he gets here. That is a big difference. Rui was not 21 when he got here. Neither was Joel, neither was Killian, neither was Domas. So he has a bit of a leg up there. And that advanced age could be enough for him to be a guy who develops a little quicker than some of those other guys did. Does that mean he gets drafted in 2024? I don't know. I'm not convinced the role is there just yet, but it could be. If he's better than Steel Venters or better than Nolan Hickman and they want to shift Steel Venters to the two and have Nolan come off the bench, like those are options that this team could pursue. They could play Yo in a small ball four role that might be detrimental to Ben Gregg's minutes or Graham Ike's minutes, but they could do it. To me, Yo is a guy who who could be I'm, lottery is probably a pretty extreme way to look at it, but it's it's possible. It's possible that Jun Sakio is a lottery pick in 2024. It's also possible he doesn't get drafted until 2026. It's also possible that, you know, the development doesn't happen the way that many expect it to. And he's just not a guy who, who really gets talked about in the, at that consideration. So a lot of range of outcomes for Yo, but a player I'm, I'm, if the Gonzaga's 2024 streak continues and they have a player selected in the first round in 2024, it would not be surprise me. It would not be surprising to me if Yo was the guy who did it. And then finally, the last player I want to talk about here, not a real shock uh, to any of you listening, is going to be Dusty Stromer. Again, somewhat similar to Yo of just a young player that has potential NBA upside that is visible, but that we just haven't seen enough of him. I mean, we haven't seen any of him at the college level to know exactly what that's going to look like. But Dusty Stromer is a six foot six point guard. I don't think Gonzaga is going to play him at point guard in year one. We will see if he ends, ever ends up playing point guard or if he plays more off the ball during his Gonzaga career. But again, a one and done for Dusty Stromer would be a, a stunning result. It would be shocking. Guy who wasn't ranked in the top 50 until recently. I think he finished around 40 or so in the class of 2023 rankings, not considered a particularly deep class, not really envisioned to be a guy who has a huge role. I think right now, if the season were to start, Dusty Stromer would have a role on this team. You'd have Nolan Hickman. You'd have Ryan Nemparty, you'd have Steel Venters kind of playing a 2-3 hybrid role. And then you have Dusty Stromer in the mix as that third or fourth guard. But again, that's not a huge role. I don't think it would be more than like eight to 10 minutes per game type of role. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll play a little bit more than that, but he's not going to start over either Nemhart or Hickman. And if he's not starting, I know Zach Collins did it, but rarely do guys get drafted in the lottery or in the first round after not starting. And Collins, of course, had a bit more pedigree coming to Gonzaga than Dusty did. But we're talking about a six foot six guard who can shoot like those guys get drafted like that is that is a package right there that makes sense to uh, as an NBA player. So is it going to happen in year one? Probably not. But I wouldn't be surprised if Dusty Stromer is a guy who does end up getting drafted out of Gonzaga. It might be three years down the line. He might be, he might have a full four year career, get drafted as a senior. Doesn't happen as often anymore in this day and age, but you know what? It does happen. Drew Timmy got drafted, or he didn't get drafted, but Drew Timmy got signed after four years. Corey Kispert got drafted after four years. Like it happens out of Gonzaga, it can. And, and I think Dusty is the kind of player who could do that. Maybe it's two years, maybe it's three, but I don't think it's going to be one. So I think that he's, he's another guy that projects as a potential NBA player on this Gonzaga roster, but not necessarily a 2024 NBA draft pick. 
I want to close out the show now talking about three more Gonzaga players who I think could have NBA careers or who at least have one or two skills that look like their NBA caliber skills right now, but they have areas that they need to show improvement with before they could actually really be considered in that conversation. We're going to talk about those guys coming up right after this. All right, folks, closing up the show, talking about three more players on Gonzaga's roster. We're going to cover eight guys, basically the eight players that I expect to be in the rotation. So you eagle-eyed listeners, or I should say eagle-eared listeners, will probably know which three players are left because you know that I have been talking about who I think is going to be the eight-man rotation for this team in multiple episodes over the last two weeks. Uh, First up, I teased him a little bit earlier. We're going to talk about Graham E.K. Graham E.K. is an undersized big He only has 12 three-point attempts to his name. Obviously, he did not play last year at Wyoming with the knee injury, so he's coming back from a a full-year absence. Uh, His his last season at Wyoming was that 21-22 season. He averaged 19.5 points and and 9.5 rebounds, was absolutely excellent as a low-post scorer, very efficient, had the ball in his hands a ton, showcased a lot of skill as a low-post scorer. But again, 6'9", big, not a three-point shooter, good score around the basket. You have to be excellent, excellent in order to get NBA draft consideration with that profile. I mean, Drew Timmy is the leading scorer in Gonzaga basketball history. He's one of the most prolific college basketball players of all time. There is just not a debate about that. You don't have to have him number one. You don't have to have him top five, but he is in that conversation as one of the greatest college basketball players of all time. And Drew Timmy was a six foot nine big who was excellent scoring around the rim, who did not have an outside shot. He scored 2,200 points in a Gonzaga uniform, and he did not get drafted. So for Graham E.K., that's kind of the bar that you have to be, or you have to showcase some other skills that Drew didn't really have, doesn't really have at this point in the bag at the NBA level. I don't think Drew's as bad of a defensive player as many made him out to be, but I can understand why NBA scouts had hesitation about his ability to defend in space. EK has to prove he's capable of doing that. If he can't, teams are not going to consider him. And even if he can, even if he improves as a perimeter defensive player, he shows some really good testing and the agility skills, moving laterally, all of that stuff, you still, I think, need to prove that there's a little bit more to your offensive game. Maybe he could just be a rim runner uh, and a, a lob threat, that kind of thing. But in order to be that in the NBA, you kind of have to back it up with, rim protection on the defensive side. And and EK hasn't proven to be that guy. To me, he's a player who has really good skills to be a good college player and and skills that are really good to fit at Gonzaga specifically, which I think is why this was a tremendous addition for Mark Few and their staff. But I'm not sure that I see the skills that he possesses as translatable to the modern NBA. So he strikes me as more of a great college player who doesn't make it at the next level. But things could change if he comes to Gonzaga with an improved outside shot, starts taking one and a half or two per games, knocks him down at a 35, 38% clip. This would be a surprise to me, but we haven't seen him in over a year. A lot of things could have changed for Graham E.K. and his basketball career uh, between when we last saw him and now. If he comes in and he's a three-point shooter, he's a bit more agile on the defensive end, totally could be in that conversation. Next up, Nolan Hickman, uh, of course, a a five-star player for Gonzaga. Most players who come in with that kind of pedigree tend to be NBA players or tend to be projected to be NBA players. Right now, I think that Nolan Hickman's NBA path has been a little delayed. 
I guess is the best way to put it. Through his first two seasons at Gonzaga, he has not looked like an NBA player. I don't think that that's necessarily a, a big insult to him. Uh, I, I know that many of you have felt that I was a bit too protective of Nolan Hickman throughout last season. I think that a lot of uh, ire gets sent at just whoever happens to play point guard. So when Gonzaga doesn't play well, they blame the point guard. It's why people disliked Josh Perkins in a way that was always baffling to me. He was a little inconsistent, but he was very, very good. And I don't think that Nolan Hickman deserved a lot of the hate he got. However, his late season performances, both as a freshman and a sophomore, are concerning. They're concerning for Gonzaga, but since this is an NBA draft prospect, or podcast, excuse me, they're concerning for that as well. Teams really like to see you perform in March. It's why Zach Collins' draft stock exploded in March. Julian Strother helped himself this year with a strong performance in March. I think Jalen Suggs helped himself with that strong performance in March as well. Nolan Hickman hasn't done that. He hasn't had those signature moments. He's had some good games. He's showed some skills. He's a gifted passer. He's a solid three-point shooter. I think he's a pretty good decision maker with the ball in his hands, but he's not super aggressive. He doesn't go downhill and attack the basket. Uh, the point guard skills, navigating picks and rolls, that kind of stuff are, are there, but they're kind of underdeveloped. And now I think he's probably going to shift to more of an off-ball role. I'm still not 100% sure how Nolan Hickman is going to be deployed next year. I do know that Ryan Nembhard is going to be the point guard. So Nolan Hickman is either the backup point guard or he is a starting shooting guard, or he is probably both of those things, if we're being honest. But I think a lot of his minutes are going to come off the ball. If you're an off-ball player, basically Nolan Hickman falls into one of the most dreaded categories that exists as a college basketball player, an undersized two guard. Because undersized two guards do not make it in the NBA. There are very few exceptions. The CJ McCollum exception. You have to be extraordinary at moving without the basketball. You have to be a outstanding outside shooter. Like it is a really hard archetype to make it in the NBA as. If that's who Nolan Hickman becomes, doesn't mean he won't be great at Gonzaga. Doesn't mean it won't help his game at in college. Him moving off ball might be good for the Zags and it might be good for him, but it's probably not good for his NBA aspirations. It's very, very difficult to make it in the NBA under the under six foot four, unless you are a pure point guard. And Nolan Hickman, while that's been his role for the first two years, I don't know that that's going to be his role going forward for Gonzaga. Finally, the last player here that I want to talk about, and it's it's a bit odd that he's last because he was a guy who declared for the NBA draft last season, and that's Steel Venters out of Eastern Washington. Of course, Steel Venters has yet to play in a Gonzaga uniform, uh, hit the transfer portal while also declaring for the NBA draft out of Eastern, uh, pretty quickly committed to Gonzaga. Not a surprise there, of course, that Mark Few and the staff were familiar with him. They played against him. He's only 30 miles away in Cheney, Washington, decided he wanted to stay close to home. Transfers to the Zags. Pretty much when that happened, he said he was locked in, committed, coming to Gonzaga. He stayed in the draft process for a while because why wouldn't you stay in the draft process? I know there are other, uh, even Gonzaga-affiliated podcasts who seemed to uh, look down upon the idea of, of pursuing the NBA draft process unless you are absolutely going to be drafted. I disagree with that sentiment. I think players have the, I think college students 
have the right to pursue professional opportunities while they are, while they are still in college. That is the point of college. And I think for Steel Venters wanting to check out the NBA draft process, get feedback from scouts, from GMs, from whoever else is there and come back to school armed with that feedback, knowing here are the things that these scouts want to see from me in order to draft me. I think that's an objectively good thing. And I don't care if people think that it is, uh, I guess, wasting the time of the scouts and general managers, not really overly concerned about that. I think they like watching basketball players play basketball. And I think Steel Venters made the right choice in pursuing that uh, last year, but he was never going to be drafted. And, and frankly, coming back to Gonzaga, I think we could see his draft stock potentially boost but I'm not sure that I, I think there are things that he would need to show that we haven't seen from him yet, even in his career at Eastern. I think defense is a big area for him of, of proving that he can be because uh, he's he's a prototypical three and D wing. He's six foot seven. He's a very good three point shooter. He's a spot up shooter. He's a catch and shoot shooter like that skill right there. The six foot seven three point shooter is a a marketable NBA caliber skill right there, but you have to be able to do everything else. You don't have to be elite at everything else, but you have to be capable. If you want to be labeled a three and D wing, you got to play defense. You got to play defense. We talked about this on locked on college basketball a lot when looking at the NBA draft and looking at guys like Grady Dick and Jet Howard and Kobe Bufkin and some of the other guys there, Jordan Hawkins of like these guys have, if they can't play defense, no matter how good a shooters they are, they're going to get played off the floor in the playoffs. Kevin Herter from Sacramento is one of the best uh, three-point shooters in the league, and he didn't play much in the playoffs because he was such a liability on defense. For Steel Venters, even if he is a Grady Dick-level three-point shooter, which he's not, um, but if he were to become that at Gonzaga with more efficiency, with less defensive pressure on him, you still have to prove you can play defense at a capable level. I'm not saying he can't. I'm saying he needs to prove that. If he does, awesome. Steel Venters could for sure be somebody drafted out of Gonzaga. I think he's more likely to be a summer league, maybe make the league as a two-way type guy, but there is opportunity for him to prove me wrong, prove a lot of people wrong, go out there, have a great shooting season, prove yourself on the defensive end, and potentially sneak your way into the 2024 NBA draft. Well, that is going to do it for us today. Very fun conversation. Looking ahead to 2024, this will not be even close to the last time that we talk about the 2024 NBA draft, but it is the first time, and I'm thankful that you are all here to hear it with me on the Locked On Zags podcast. we got more fantastic stuff coming your way later this week and into next week as well. want to thank all of you for listening, and of course, until next time, go Zags.